Blog Talk Radio. Chicago's Black Business Network is giving away free 90-day business directory listings. Did we say free? That's right, free. Get a 90-day business directory listing at chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com. Expand your outreach, meet new clients, visit Chicago, that's Chicago with an S, chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com for details. Chicago's Black Business Network, changing the way that Chicago connects to the world. Sonia Cassandra, Purdue founder. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Welcome to Our Conversations Matter, our newest show segment on Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. These shows are designed to give you, our listeners, a voice on this platform. Politics, current events, elections going on in your region. Tell us about it. Our calling number is 323-642-1655. That's 323-642-1655. Call in now. We want to remind you that from the very beginning that all of our broadcasts and our entire network has been dedicated to keeping the memory of Mayor Harold Washington on the minds and in the hearts of our people. How do you remember Harold Washington? First, because Chicago's Black Business Radio Network is a division of a business-based organization. We want to give a shout-out to some local business owners. Located in the Wild District at 2418 West North Avenue in Chicago, and Orange Moon in Chicagoland's Vintage Interior Furnishings and Design Center. Ty and Leah McDaniel have wowed Chicagoland for the past decade. Check out the art at www.orangemoon.com. Sign up for the state sale notices at anorangemoon.com. Also, absolutely anything essential is unique and the brainchild of writer, actress, and producer, Kenya Renee. Located at 3514 South King Drive, this charming incubator space provides unique products and services crafted and facilitated by about 30 artisans. It's where you'll find anything essential. Visit them at www.absolutelyanythingessential.com. That's absolutely anything essential.com. Tell them you heard it on Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, executive producer for Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, and your host for this segment. Our web-based broadcasts are designed to service the African-American community in Chicago and and around the world. And this is a new segment for us, Our Conversations Matter, because they do matter. And we want to invite you, we want to invite everyone. It's not about the elected officials, the name, the big names. Uh, we've done that, and that was exciting, but we want to talk to you. Now, um, I've done over 300 podcasts, and it's certain, And I just want to say to you, it would pay for me to get up and uh, 
prepare a little bit early. I just love when things fall apart. It just it's just it really just get up this morning and record it the shout outs, which we do want to share some shout outs from you as well. Uh, and Orange Moon has been a supporter for many years, and so has Kenya Renee. And we just want to give a, a shout out to our small business owners in Chicago or wherever they may be. Okay. Of course, you may advertise on this network, and we would love to have you do that. You can call me at 773-609-2226. But I remember we gave our first networking event at an orange moon, and uh, I'm very grateful to uh, Lynn McDaniel and her husband, Ty McDaniel, for all that they do. Now, we also have a segment, CBB and Business Journals. That's where we share success stories about innovators and creators, business owners and authors and organizations from around the world. We also have a segment called The Tough Questions. Black America asking ourselves the tough questions based on my book, which is available on Amazon. But this, our conversation matter is important. I thought about it with the elections coming up in Chicago and all the craziness about it with 17 candidates running for mayor and how little I know about them, Uh, 59 judges coming up for uh, detention and how little we know about them. So even within the political process, we're uh, we're very overwhelmed and people – Maybe they do, and I'll, and I'll ask the panel that, uh, question, that question. Maybe people just feel overwhelmed. They don't understand what's going on. Uh, and I want and I want us to grow into it. I mean, in a couple of weeks, we're having an election on November the 6th. We can't grow into it by November the 6th, but we can have conversations about it. And we do. We have them all over social media. As a matter of fact, they're having so many conversations about politics on social media, I used to see small businesses promoting themselves down my line. I don't know who's in business anymore. You do not see it. They're fighting. They're fussing. They're hollering. I mean, it's Ken. It's T.I. this week. It's McDonald. It's uh, who's running for governor? Rainer. It's the mayoral election. It's... Uh, this week is the First Lady of the uh, United States. And it's on and on and on. And you do not see the small businesses promoting themselves like they used to. Um, I'm a social media manager. I promote on social media. And I just turn myself off sometimes because it is just so political. I say that there's a civil war on social media. The fight is just there. It's real. And black people, and and I think, and I will ask my guests this, um, black people are very opinionated, and they spit out a lot of hate. Now, you know they do. They spit a lot of hate right back at the Europeans, the descendants of Europeans, um, because there was a time that you would die for saying the things that we say now, and we say them. And so there's this hate conversation going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because we're free to express hate where we're finding hate. So we're going to ask about that as well. 
There's not a list of questions here, as I told my guests, Sherry Montgomery and General Parker, and they're going to they're going to introduce themselves and tell you about what it is that they do. Um, but the conversation could go in different ways, okay? It could go a lot of different places. One thing will lead to another thing. I am going to ask some specific questions, but uh, we may talk about the fraternal order of police who are not listening to us. The Department of Justice does not listen to us. Our elected officials do not listen to us. The courts do not listen to us. We don't know who these 59 judges are who want to be back into their jobs. I think they make, wow, what do they make, 100 grand, 150 grand? Want their jobs back. And I did read that, and we know we need to make a change here. All the judges have retained their position since 1991. They have not been voted out. Now, you know it. Nobody's that good. Nobody. So it's something that we need to look at a little bit more. First of all, we're going to welcome Miss Montgomery. How are you this morning? I'm great. I'm great. I love your intro. You love my intro. <laughs> it's uh, I, I got it. up this morning and started thinking about this. It's been on my mind for months. I got up this morning and I said, well, let me put put this intro together, because I want it to kind of flow. I want it to, to be, you know, as natural as, as possible. But uh, first of all, what a uh, Sherry. Am I saying that Sherry? Sherry. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Sherry. Uh, without uh-huh. the Y, it's the I. That's what, that's what it is, Sherry. Why don't you tell uh-huh. our audience a little bit about you? Well, it's not too much to talk about. I'm a nurse by trade. And I am an activist, or whatever title you want to put on it, you know, by heart. And um, that's pretty much it. I have three grown children, um, and I love Chicago. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next leg of my life. I want to take it outside of Chicago and see if I can help heal the world of its ailments, you know. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, um, what do you do that makes you think you're an activist? Wow, How does that, that play out the, in your life? I pitch in wherever I can. I spend a lot of time, well, I did uh, spend a lot of time over at the Bob Biz Center. I absolutely love that place. I love what the people there do and how they uh, are growing the community. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. And we haven't seen that kind of work and that kind of heartfelt involvement in a long time, and it's sincere. And they're growing uh, our parts of our city that, uh, I, I hate to say it, but that the government forgot about or just kicked to the curb. Um, so the, I, I can't say enough about what comes out of the Bob Biz Center. Now, that's Roe Davis over there heading that up, isn't it? I Yeah. As a matter okay. of fact, in the past, um, I'd say two months, I think it's four of their tenants have left to go buy shops, uh, uh, fill vacancies in the city on their own. So they're doing great things. So if you need a place and you don't have the funds to uh, cover the cost of filling vacancies, 
go see Roe over on 79th Street and uh, get started. Wonderful, wonderful. So these are incubator spaces for small businesses. Is that what he's doing over there? Exactly, right. Wonderful. How many businesses are over there now? Oh, my goodness. Good question. I don't know how many there are, uh, but he's got plenty of room. There are two floors. Um, I don't know how many um, how many there are. That's a good question, though. And where is it on 79th? Is it off of Cottage Grove? Exactly where is that? It is uh, about, is it two blocks? Two blocks east of Cottage Grove. Okay. Did there used to be an old hotel or something? I'm not sure, but um, you won't be able. I mean, it's easily it stands out. It's remodeled. It, it's refurbished. It looks marvelous inside and out. I'll have to take a look. That's wonderful. Now, I did say that I would ask everyone because since this. Uh, we're coming up for the election on November the 6th and the mayor oral election in February, I do believe. How do you remember Harold Washington? Oh, my goodness. Um, Harold Washington, just he was a happy guy. He was a happy guy despite the work he was doing. And he did some, um, uh, what's the word? Wow, he was a fighter. He was a fighter, but you never saw it hit wear him down. Although I'm sure it did, we never saw that. All we saw is that he had a job to do and he did it. Wonderful, and I think that unfortunately, and I don't know if I'm crossing the line here, but I think that might be part of why he's not here with us today. It wouldn't be the first time, would it? Exactly. That, exactly. It would be the. It would not be the first time. No, you're not crossing the line. Uh, many people believe <laughs> that he was murdered. Uh, it would be the first time. I'm writing a piece on Mega Mega Evers gunned down in front of his in front of his office in 1965. It's not the first time. It's and it won't mm-hmm. be the last time. We can talk about Fred Hampton. We can talk about many people. Um, that's how you control people, is it not? Yeah. Uh, you kill off the people who are the strongest, and you leave the weaker yeah. people behind, and they fall. Everything falls apart, and they can't. And they have great difficulty. And it's, and it's not a black thing so much. I think they have great difficult regrouping. That's a very painful thing. Uh, regrouping yeah. back again. Then you got all the snakes out there who want to come forward, and then, and as you say. We felt his sincerity, at least I did, and you can feel that they're not sincere and they cannot rally and push. That was one of the things that propelled him, uh, his intellect, you know, absolutely, but propelled him to be the leader that he was because you could feel his sincerity and people rally around, they just rallied around that and were, and were brought forward and together where there was a void, something that was like missing in your whole heart. I asked you, I had to tell you, like something was missing 
missing out of you something that you never had, something that you he was something that you never knew, um, and it had been missing, and you didn't even know it was missing because you didn't know what it was you were missing. And he came in there, and he wow. filled the space there, and they couldn't fall in behind him and fill it. They still haven't been able to fall in behind him and fill it, as far as I can see, you know. It's just it's just something... If you look at the older people, the people who in um, when he was first elected, I think it was 1982, the people who may have been in their 50s and 60s had come to that early civil rights movement, they hadn't had that. They hadn't experienced that. You know, us of a later generation, we had a little bit more freedom, but they hadn't seen that and experienced that. And that was something that was very, very important for them to take through the rest of their lives with them to see this man who uh, his intelligence was just phenomenal. I tell everyone, they don't know that it just, he wasn't just smart. He was smart, but he knew how to get smart. When he was in the military, everybody else was shaking and dancing. He might have been shaking and dancing too. I don't know. But what he did (laughs) while he was in the military (laughs) He took a hundred and something correspondence courses, which he was feeding into his intellect. He he wanted to be smart, and he and it took work. I mean, he it just didn't magically appear. You know, he took a hundred yeah. and something correspondence courses. He taught himself to be wow. smart. You know, wow. He did, and I tell everybody that I want to do that too. I can't even finish one. But anyway, (laughs) they all land on the table somewhere, you know. But that's what he did. So that made him versatile. That made him very, very Uh versatile in all manners of topics and conversation. And um, I'm not sure what your position is on the education of the black child or the miseducation. But I will say this, uh, when we look at education, yes, we do want our young people to, to learn black history, and they should. That's an advantage for them. But they need to learn world history because when they go into corporate America, politics, wherever they go, they must be able to compete on the same level as the Europeans. And that is mm-hmm. they must be able to understand what they're talking about and have conversations about Shakespeare and the Row and uh Emerson and all those different people. You gotta know who they are too in order to write on the same level that they, they write on, speak at the same level they speak on, understand what they're referencing when they quote Henry the Seventh or whomever. They need we have to do everything Ten times better. That means we need to know the white world, and we need to know our African world as well. Uh, what's your opinion on the education of the uh, Chicago? Oh my goodness, I don't know. That's a big thing. <laughs> the educational system in Chicago. Overall, it needs it needs to be uh, U-hauled. I mean, uh, I mean, it needs an overhaul because. There are things missing, and, and our children have gifts 
and I hate to bring it in, you know, bring that this part in, but God gifts that they don't even know of. You know, they're being robbed of the gifts that they were born with. So I, because of that, I think that our education system needs to overhaul us a serious overhaul. You know, they go through it with some people go through their entire lives without knowing what they can do. This I don't know how clear or unclear that was, but there's a there's a need for an overhaul in our education system. No, you're very you're very, very clear. You're you're very, very clear. Um, there was a book in our mother's garden and it spoke pretty much something like that. Uh, how many dreams are unfulfilled? Well, well, we don't get the opportunity to live out our dreams, uh, to reach our potential, to try different things, to create, because we are are creators. We don't get this opportunity. I was a real estate agent, and I was sitting in a condo in South Shore, and people would come in for the open house on Saturdays. And a woman came in with her, her daughter and her son-in-law, I believe that's who it was, an older white woman with blonde hair, and I swear I don't know who she was. And she, so she came, they were talking to the loan officer in the front. So she was wandering around the, um, the set up there and uh, looking around. And I was sitting in the back at a desk. And she came and sat down, and for some reason she sat down and she started talking to me. And I put this in my book. And, and she just started talking to me. Uh, she didn't appear to be a happy woman, but she's. Hello. Um, I'm still here. <laughs> we lost her some kind of way. Ah, uh, you know I have my ideas about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, until she comes back, why don't you, um, I guess, introduce yourself and, uh, you know, I guess we'll take it from there until we get her back. <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is General Parker, and I hail from downstate Illinois. I come out of Peoria, but I'm in Chicago an awful lot, and I, hey, on previous shows, I've always expressed my love for Chicago. So uh, as far as me being an activist, uh, I think what makes me an activist is the different issues that I stand up for, for the people, whether it's housing reform, education reform, uh, criminal justice reform, police brutality, all that stuff. Uh, I'm in Chicago a lot, fighting a lot of these issues down at the uh, Treasury Building, uh I come up there and I help out, well, I used to, uh, at the Black Star Project with Dr. Phil Jackson and help mentor kids on the weekends. And uh, I'm all about black excellence and my people. And I heard her talking about uh, Harold Washington. Um, he was elected in office in 83. I met him in 81. I was working oh. in the Pioneer Building on 79th and, and Cottage Grove. Mm-hmm. And uh 
he was a congressman at the time. And I was working with my cousin, Dennis Muhammad, him and Omar Sharif. Uh, they had a contracting company. And I came up there to work with them, and we were trying to get some contracts through the city and stuff. And they had told me they had spoke with Harold about it earlier. Uh, one night we came in, Omar and I came in, and they were having a party down in the Urban League down on the first floor. And uh, we got invited in, and uh, Harold and his assistant was leaving early. So I caught him in the uh, in the parking lot right there next to AR League's funeral home. And, uh, and I was asking him about the contracts, you know, and uh, he said, well, uh, Sam didn't get with you on that yet. I said, I haven't heard anything from anybody. You know, and I was the sales director at the time, so <laughs> it mattered to me getting the contracts. And uh, Omar called me the next morning and said, man, you need to get in here, man. He said, oh, Sam's been sitting here waiting for you, man. He was in the office when I got here. <laughs> mm. I don't know how Harold did it, but he had the uh, the landlord uh, open up our office and make sure Sam was waiting there the first thing in the morning. So that showed me that Harold, you know, he was a man that had no big eyes and no little U's, you know, he concerned about everybody and respected and treated everybody the same. He was a man of his word and he, mm-hmm. he loved his people and was loved by his people. So, so yeah, anytime you get leaders like that, uh, you, well, you, like you said, you had your ideas about it. I had mine too, you know, so any black man is making a difference and black people and white people are starting to listen to him. Hey, you know, uh, dying early or getting sick or something happens to him. So uh, I just leave that right there. Something happens to him. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and I agree with uh, Sister Sonya to a a certain extent as far as our kids learning history. But where I disagree is uh, black history is world history. So if our kids Mm. learn their history, then they'll know all the world's history because, you know, civilization started out of Africa. You know, the first woman came from Africa and civilization expanded out from there. So a lot of people make the mistake that, uh, that just because they teach uh, black history in school and they only go back to when slavery started here in America. But, uh, we have, we have history long before 1492. So, yeah. Yes, that's the truth. And, see, and I'm part of an organization called uh, uh, Urban Intellectuals. And we have a Facebook uh-huh. page with over a million followers. And that's okay. real big with us right now is black history. And our and our, uh, our people, too, not just our children, because a lot of adults, <laughs> they learn some things that they never knew about before, about themselves and about our people. And we have black history flashcards that we're selling now, uh, we have Black History coloring books for the kids, and we just started a program, an online Black History course curriculum for our, our kids. You know, and it is segmented by the different age groups. So uh, it's called the Sankofa Club. So uh, anybody that's uh, listening that wants to get involved with that and wants not only to learn themselves but for the kids to learn about that, uh, go to the Facebook page, or we even have our own website. It's urbanintellectuals.com. Or, like I said, just go to the Facebook page, and all of that's on there. So, uh, And what we learned is that uh, the research proves it out. The more a kid knows about their own history and their own heritage, 
where they're from, the better they do in life. Not just school, the better they do in life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I was back. Can you hear me? Yeah. Well, we couldn't. Yeah. We couldn't hear you before. You can hear me now, though, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, and I do agree with you. You just put out on. Uh, <laughs> Long talk radio is just doing me a job. I um, I do agree with you as far as the world history. That it is our world history, and we should we should know it all. That will probably right. be that one, something that won't happen. But uh, I want everybody to know we're listening to uh, you're listening to our conversations matter on our panel today is General Parker and Sherry Montgomery, and they're, and they're just going on without me. And I did hear your. Uh, Input about Harold Washington. So we have 17 candidates coming up. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. I heard a little buzz going on. You talking about for the mayoral election? Oh, my goodness. What's your take on that, General? 17 candidates. Where have these people been? (laughs) Um. You know, one thing I didn't see, I heard uh, LaShawn Ford had uh, had announced on the on the TV station uh, a little while back, but I didn't. I don't see his name on there as far as uh, people who's running. When I looked it up the last time, so did he change his mind? I, I don't not. think so. I still see people posting on him running. I think he had a, an event. I hope so because he is. Okay. Yeah, LaShawn's a good friend of mine, and uh, I've been trying to get him for the last, I don't know how many years, to run for governor. (laughs) And I think he would have won governor. Matter of fact, he'd had a better chance running for governor than he would for the city because he's known downstate, and I can help him get the votes downstate, you know. But uh, I think the way that Mm -hmm. that that, – field is right now is too diluted and what's happening when you got like Dorothy Brown and Tony Preckwinkle and a lot of those other people running uh, when it gets watered down like that you get the opportunity for a Jerry or Gary McCarthy to come back in and win you know by a plurality mm-hmm. and uh, we don't need him back in there I mean he, he was the uh, superintendent the police superintendent who was in charge of that investigation with LaCline McDonald and they were hit hiding the videotapes and everything, he and Rahm Emanuel. But uh, it's very possible he could very well get in and win with 17 different people in the in the field, you know, and uh, all those votes divided. So um, somebody had asked me a while back uh, off of LaShawn's page about getting all the black candidates together and coming up with a an agreement, you know, where if you pick one person and we all support that one, you know, and that ain't a bad yeah. idea. I absolutely but is it a agree. doable idea? All those egos on the floor, if you really is it a doable to, idea? Well, we I really think that, to... uh, I think it's very doable because, you know, some people know good and well they don't have a, a snowball chance of hell of winning. 
some people have been put up to do it. Uh, some people have been paid to do it uh, to make things better for their candidate. So um, if, if people are selling out like that, I mean, they, they all have their price. So uh, you, you give people different jobs, you give them different opportunities elsewhere and uh, get them something that's attractive to them. But uh, uh, I've been behind Dorothy Brown since the beginning, you know, I, she and I go back a ways. I would come up to Chicago. She would hold the uh, expungement summits, you know, and uh, I would work with her and uh, Representative Constance Howard all the time. You know, those are my sweethearts, you know, and I told LaShawn, I said, I wish you had let me know beforehand. I've already put my all my money and my weight behind Dorothy. So uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. They got me kind of caught up in a bind. <laughs> I I I'm uh, Dorothy is like she's like heaven in Chicago, and she does yeah. her current like excellent. But the problem yeah. I have with Dorothy is who is going to take her job and do as good a job as she's done? Because she does her job excellent. So if Thank she you. does go to the mayor's position, we need to we would have to find somebody just as good as her to fill her position. That's the only reason I wouldn't go for Dorothy. Um, well, see, that's, that's the reason why you need to get all those black candidates together. And, and you know, that's what politics is all about, you know. And uh, yeah. you got a Tony Preckwinkle that's the uh, president of the county board, you know, and uh, I don't know how good a co- uh, county clerk should be, but... There's a, there's other people out there that can do that, you know, and, and and still be good. I mean, Dorothy's great, but she's not the only one out there. I mean, you got millions of people out of Chicago. <laughs> That's just the city. They ain't even counting the county. So we should be able to find somebody else. You can't tell me I don't have two good people in there that can run the county. <laughs> that That's for us. There's got to be somebody else somewhere. Yeah. They just yeah. don't want the job. That's what it is. There, there are a lot of people qualified. I just, I'm not sure. I just think that they don't want the job and the mess. Some people just, you know, you have to have a certain. It's one of the reasons why I never got involved. You have to be a certain type of person to deal with yes. people in politics. And I, and I, I don't, I don't like. I, I don't deal well with snakes. I take it personally. I mean, you know, and conniving and. <laughs> Lying and all that that mm-hmm. goes that you know I'm watching them like is that that's just unbelievable that you would do this and they you just know what, out, Sonia, keep on stepping like they're not doing anything without morals you without know, Sonia, ethics it just go down the drain. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel, Sonia. You know, and I, and for years I felt the same way, but you know what I found out when I ran uh, not ran when I uh, started working for Obama on his first term on his campaign, mm-hmm. there was uh, uh, the guy that taught him how to be an organizer when they brought him to Chicago. And he had us all in the room, and I was the only spot up in that room, you know. And mm-hmm. he went around and asked everybody, you know, why aren't you running for office? Why aren't you running for office? Why aren't you running for office? And we were having the same conversation like we're having now. And he told me, he said, you know, you make a good point, but uh, – I need you to know this. And see, and that was right after the George Bush and all that and the Iraq war and all that. He said, that office comes with a certain amount of power. 
And if God has made opportunity for you to be able to fulfill your purpose and you don't step up to the plate, that means somebody else steps up in your place and they get that power and they do crazy things like start wars for oil and stuff like that. And look at Trump now because somebody didn't step up. You know, we in all this craziness we're going through with him now. So I understand what you're saying, but when I look back at my oh. kids and I look at my grandkids now, if I don't step, even when I ran for mayor in Peoria and they dogged me out, you know, because of my past and my history, and I knew I was going to go through it, but I needed to bring that stuff to light because my grandkids shouldn't have to be going through the same stuff I went through as a kid. My my kids and my grandkids should be able to walk down the street and feel safe, and I shouldn't have to have no extra conversation with them about how to come home safe when white kids don't do the same thing. See? Mm. So if I got to step up now and if I got to sacrifice now so I can make life better for my kids and my grandkids, then, uh, you know, let the papers and all the rest of them have they let the snakes and all the rest of them come at me, you know. But uh, I'm not going now without a fight. So sometimes well, we just have to step up when we don't want to. 30, 40 years ago, General. <laughs> huh? I think it's Say a what? Very, I wish we had this conversation like 30 or 40 years ago. I think that's a very valid point. I think it is, but when you, at, when you look at 30 or 40 years ago, we weren't as safe. He wouldn't have been as safe as he is now saying that. We've evolved a bit, you know, and quite frankly. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not safe saying, saying it now. I'm not safe saying it now. Trust mm. me. I'm not mm. safe. And you know, so uh, is, if, if you knew what you're saying. Yeah, if you knew what I was going through in Peoria, you know that now I'm not safe at all. <laughs> you know, but yeah. the thing we is, sure is that we we've been playing. We got to quit playing reactionary, uh, whatever it is they playing. You know, but I, I do know this: they're playing. We're playing checkers, you know, and they waiting for our next move so we can get king. You know, crown our king, and all the time they've been playing chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While we sit up there and we worried about the civil rights movement and all that, when we go on through that and we got the legislation, but they never enforce it, these folks are worried about getting the war on on crime and the war on drugs so they can get two million of us behind bars. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So we we got to stop doing this reactionary stuff and start being proactive and think about their next move. Because well, right now, the uh, private prison companies, they're looking at the criminal justice reform. So they say, okay, well, we go to the next move. Let's start doing electronic monitoring, okay? <laughs> we'll start doing this. We'll start working on the probation. We'll start working on the parole end. You know, uh, we got to start thinking ahead of these guys. That's just more reason for us to really pay attention to these elections coming up, every election. Thank you. But can I ask you guys a question? What in the damn hell makes these people think that two billionaires can, can can even think about representing them in any kind of way, Prisca or Ronner? <laughs> that is the worst race ever. Like, neither one of them is any good. <laughs> Thank you. 
Christian's got a brother that's better than him. He got an older brother that's fighting for clean energy, uh, legalizing marijuana, and he's for criminal justice reform. But but oh. J.B. Prescott gets on the phone, you know, with uh, with Blagorovich behind the scenes when he thinks nobody looking, and he talks about black people like a dog. So Yeah, that's a horrible race, horrible. It's, it's, entitled, it's entitlement. It's entitlement. Mm-hmm. They both think they're entitled to be the head of the state of Illinois. They money and they yeah. can make them think they're entitled, not qualified. Should not right. be there. Have no have no thought or qualms about serving the people. They can nope. think they're entitled because they white men with money to be the head of the state of Illinois, and neither of them should. Neither of them should yeah. be anywhere near us. <laughs> anywhere near us, but. Uh, I know that the Pope, whatever his name, Chris, what's what his name? Whatever his name is, is running against Raina. He, they've been very generous, you know, in a in a lot of ways. They brought, they have a stronghold. They 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 contributed a lot of money. They got a lot of money. They made a lot of money off the, the people of Illinois. So they they right. contribute a lot. You know, the public library system has definitely benefited from their money. The park system has definitely benefited. Uh, but that money that they give, as they say, that's a write-off anyway. So that's these, all. These, yeah, you know, if they want to get in the tax break, I doubt very seriously if they've done anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, but I think that that's all that that is. It's just plain. It's like what they call it, uh, general pissing contest. It's just ridiculous that they that's even all it is. at all. It's just, it's a pissing contest between them. They they probably hey, maybe they went with the same girl in high school. I don't know what happened, you know. But it's like, oh, well, we in the <laughs> middle of this. Whatever this 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 may be. But I wanna go back <laughs> to one thing that you did say and 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 uh, in reading the freedom fighters of the nineteen sixties, fifties and sixties knew that they were going to have to pay with their lives for doing what they did. Right. Okay. They, right. It was a given that they would, they may be killed, um, and some of them were, that the fight, and they had to make a decision, were they going to go into this fight, just like you were saying, General, about the politics, because it's something that needed to be done, or were they not going to participate at all? Because a lot of people would not participate. And um, right, Mister Mister Evans said the people who supported them. He was the first uh, field secretary for the NWACP in in Mississippi, Hellhole, Mississippi. Uh-huh. So he said, and this is still true, Par- uh, Parker that the people who supported them were the people who had the least amount. They, that's how yep. the NAACP supported themselves during the 50s and 60s. Maybe they came up in yep. the 70s. I don't know. Because the people with the money would not support them for fear or retribution right. from the white people. 
take away their stores or take away their jobs, take away what they had, hurt their family. They would not support the poorest people for the people who supported them. And it is still so. It's the same thing. Uh, We could get to the celebrities if if we want to. Uh, Like I said, my business people are not focused. They caught up on this uh, that, Ken? I have never heard uh, uh, one of the young man's uh, records or whatever it is he do, squeaks or raps or whatever he does. I've never heard any of it. Is he good? Who? Who's that? Ken West. Who, Kanye? <laughs> oh, he Kanye had a couple of good records out there. Oh, yeah, I know what you said. I know what you're saying about that. Uh, I mean, look at Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, from out of Mississippi. I mean, mm-hmm. they beat her so bad, I mean, and threatened her with death and everything else. But she still still kept fighting. She still kept registering people. And uh, she still kept showing up at that uh, Republican convention. And then she went to the Democratic convention, and they set her. They set her down. That's why all those uh, uh, Dixiecrats <laughs> from down south left the Democratic Party and went down to the Republican Party and switched that around back in '68. You know, but uh, as far as Kanye go, uh, Kanye said some good things. You know, he did say some good things, and I, I get credit where credit is due. But the thing is, is when you're saying good things and you wrap it up in a bunch of crap. I just like feeding me a steak dinner and putting it on on a garbage pail top, you know, with a bunch of garbage around it, you know. I mean, it, it it's a good steak, but the presentation was all whack, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but when he said, he said things like prisoners should be should should not be used as slave labor, and that boys need fathers and young men need male role models, you know, those are the kind of things I agree with, you know. But when he started getting in front of that white man and started shucking and jiving and shuffling his feet and talking about he felt like Superman when he put on that Make America Great Again hat, you know, and running up, hugging his master and all that, and that's his hero, and cussing in the White House and talking about hydrogen planes and sleep preservation and the 13th Amendment, you know, that's that's what I was in D.C. for last week, for criminal justice reform. And I agree with that part of the 13th Amendment, but he didn't say it right. What he should have said, that exception clause in the 13th Amendment should be rescinded, where it says slavery is abolished except for punishment for a crime. That needs to be taken out because because of that one sentence, because of that exception clause in that sentence, slavery never left America. And people think it has, but no, it never has, because slavery was legalized by that clause, and people that have been to prison are technically slaves, and they treat you like slaves, and they pay you like you're a slave. And people on the outside don't know what goes on on the inside. But all the same stuff that used to happen when you were a slave (laughs) is still happening. And slavery yeah. never ended then because all they did was turn it into the black codes after that, making up these laws where they could lock people back up. But because uh, you, because you're a convict, we can treat you like a slave. You go right back on the same plantation you were supposedly just freed from, working for that man for free. They had the convict leasing. Then they started Jim Crow. 
You know, then it came up with the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, it, you, black folks never had it free, and this country was never great. I don't care what they say. This country was never great. As long as you've had people you've enslaved, people that you've terrorized, people that you you made policy for to keep them locked up in a certain area and make ghettos for them, you start redlining and, and you, you doing uh medical experiments on them without their permission and without their knowledge and stuff like that, like the Tuskegee experiment, you know, and there was a white doctor going around uh, taking black women, you know, and that's how they got gynecology because of the stuff he experimented on our women, you know. Come on now. When has this country been great? You came here and you you wiped out 90% of of the indigenous people, you know, I mean, you can't find Indians nowhere. Every time you wanted some more, you just take more Indians land, you know, took more of the land until you wiped them out. Talking about, well, it's a manifest destiny. I got the right to be able to kill you because I'm white and I want to go from sea to shining sea. That makes us great. And did it, too. And did it, too. uh, Took it from the Mexicans. They did it too, and and not only in America, they did they did it in other places too, Guam, all around the, the world. Islands. All uh, around so the world, it, it wasn't just America, and it's still and it's still doing it. They just call it different names. There was a video, you know, Facebook is a trip. There was a video the uh, president of Ghana, you may have seen, was. Uh, speaking to the Prime Minister of French. I think that's the way that it goes. And he was saying to him that uh, in essence, and I'm paraphrasing it, in essence, Ghana is never going to be free as long as they are accepting Money from the French government. You know, they fought uh, right. whenever that was. Right. They fought French, uh, and they won, you know, and they're colonizers. And, say, and France inputs, I think he said 30% of their economy comes from France. And mm-hmm. he says, as long as they are accepting money and beholding to them, in essence, they would never be free. Mm-hmm. And there was no reason after all these years, after their revolution, for them to still be accepting money from France. They have the right. people. They have the natural resources. They have the ability to do everything that they need for themselves and there is really, and I was, I was just so proud of, there's no really no excuse nope. for France to have this amount of control and authority in their country because they have the ability to do it themselves. Where at, on the same hand, here we're looking at the east coast of Africa selling everything that they can, their land, their their resources uh, to the Chinese moving military bases on to African soil. They're right. immigrating Chinese people who are purchasing so-called purchasing land 
and becoming landowners and will never get them out of there because China will eat them alive. And so on the East Coast, here they come selling out Africa again. Africa's, I mean, absolutely not in my lifetime. Africa's never going to be right. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I'm sorry. I've just, I've just got to say it. It's just not going to be right. Uh, well, I, I won't go as far as to say that, they, but I will say know. this. I, I won't go as far as to say that, Miss Sine, but I will say this. Africa will never be right as long as they keep the same mentality <laughs> and keep doing the same things that they're doing right now. They'd have to get out of a different mindset and, and, and get out of a different uh, practice that they're doing because if you always do what you always done, you're going to always get what you always got. So doing what they're doing now is not going to get them out of it. So they're getting it too. If you want something you never had, you're going to have to do something you never done. And that means stand up and do the right thing. They got to take that. Well, we got the people. We got the knowledge. I mean, knowledge came from us. You know uh, that what they have uh, are they got the military. They got the guns. Okay. That's what stopped a lot of us because people think that we just uh, subsided, you know, capitulated to white folks and just went willingly to be slaves. But nope, well, our people have been fighting since day one. We fought all along. We didn't. We, we've always fought. The only problem that we had in America is we didn't have as many blacks over here as they did down in South America and in Haiti and those the the. Uh, the West Indies, because they revolted and they 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 were able to be successful, because those those blacks there outnumbered the colonizers. But uh, a lot of that stuff in Black history that they don't want our people to know, see, and they want to keep us with that mentality that uh, they're the dominant society and and they're the all being, they're all supreme, and and we're just little squirrel uh, nut living in their world and they the squirrels. But that that's not true. You know, as soon as we teach our kids, and as soon as we teach our adults, you know, don't believe the hype. The faster we can turn this around. Yeah, I agree. I think this time around, or from now on, our children and our adults need to be aware or made aware of who they are and the power that they have, and that we are literally creating. I have it on earth. Like, this is it. I love it when my black women talk like black Nubian queens. This <laughs> <laughs> is the truth. The truth. This, this is really it. And we've got to get it done now. If we don't do it now, we must. Be, I mean, we just forget about it. It's done. It's, it's yeah. out. We quit. You're right. The fierce urgency of now. Yeah. It is It is very much so. It's going to be interesting to watch this election. We're coming down to the last five minutes. Um, and as, I, as as we work on this show and do this show, uh, I mean, like this, I mean, there's a hundred things, a hundred thousand things that we can talk about, you know. And as I go along and get the feel for it and formalize it and invite people and build up, the, you know, the numbers and, and everything, it'll uh, come to be what it is it should be, you know. Uh, it's not a battle. It's just um, we need to learn. I mean, we need to learn, and we do learn from each other. I've I learned, I learned some things today. 
Um, Chicago, for our people to be suffering in Chicago, is even an embarrassment to the white people here. There is so, it, it speaks very lowly of the white people in Chicago because there is so much here. There is so much here, and there's enough here for everybody, for this whole city, the north side, for the south side and the west side to look just like the north side in downtown. There is enough here for that to have happened. And for it not to have happened, for it to have been intentionally blocked and stopped and choking us to death, that speaks very, very poorly of the white people in Chicago. Well, Chicago has always been a very, very racist city. 43 years of the Daly family has saw to that. 43 years of him and his daddy. Tough shit. That's how I feel about it. Has well, it's been longer than that. You know? was under attack because I think we were singled out because of that. Because of how mm-hmm. Chicago is, because of the people in Chicago, because of how yep. Chicago looks, operates, all of that, we were under attack. We were made, uh, we were set up to be an example. And, you know, if we can get away with doing it in Chicago, your town is next. You know, what y'all really need to be concentrating on is all the people that's come to missing in Chicago. See, they won't talk to you about that, see, and... I mean, I know we were supposed to talk about Laquan, McDonald. You know, we probably ain't going to get a chance to talk about it now. But what what you need to be concerned with is look at all those police officers that filed them false reports, okay, and that practice that they do, you know, protecting each other. You know, this boy was executed, and his partner sat up there yeah. and lied and filed false reports. And these folks weren't even uh, – Reprimanded or let alone got in trouble until uh, some reporter, Mr. Smith, had asked for a copy of the tape that they weren't going to release. You know, and if, one, if it hadn't been for that, we still wouldn't have known today. And just think about how many times that goes on. And the man it said in court, he said, Well, I did what I was trained to do. they training them to kill us. Yeah. Internal affairs, Rahm Emanuel, his supervisors, all of them knew about the tape, but nobody did a damn thing about it until this reporter. Mm -hmm. So we're down to our last minute. I want to thank you, Mr. Parker and Ms. Montgomery, for joining us on our conversations matter. And uh, we could talk again. Yeah, we could talk. We could have a a show on the police. Uh, There's so many. Wow. Ooh. The FOB, <laughs> that's what we should call yeah. them, the SOBs, uh, the SOBs, FOBs, <laughs> FOPs, fraternal yeah. order police. With them and, SOBs and, totally and FOPs. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally insane. The man is totally insane. I'm looking at insanity when he gets up there and opens his mouth. But anyway, let's end on a high note. I want to thank you all for being with us. Uh, People will hear this conversation. They do download them uh, sometimes three or 400 times a day. I don't know where they come from, but I'm so happy. So people will hear our conversations. And as we go along, I would love for you guys to come back again. You enjoy your day, and I appreciate you being here.
Thank, Thank you. you. You're so welcome. Tune in again. Tune in again for our conversations. Matter. Follow us on Facebook at Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Thank you so much for being with us. <laughs>